Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this podcast episode finds you well, and I hope your week's going great, and I hope life is going good for you. And we're continuing with our series on Proverbs, looking at wisdom and these little proverbial sayings, and today we're going to end chapters 1 through 9. Chapters 1 through 9 is this it's grouped up in Proverbs because it's written, it's from Solomon, and it's written from the perspective of a father to a son. If you've listened to some of the previous episodes, you'll you'll understand what I'm talking about. If not, go back and listen to some of the first episodes of this season, and you'll, you'll understand that the book of Proverbs is divided up in a few different ways. And so, Proverbs chapter 1 through 9 is a father addressing a son, if you will. So, like parents talking to their kids. And so we're going to end this part of Proverbs today because we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 9 and something different than I usually do. Usually I kind of look and try to go verse by verse and talk about things and stuff like that. Today I'm just going to read the Proverbs chapter 9 as a whole and then I kind of want to just talk about the main point of this whole passage together and then I kind of want to talk about the contemporary significance and instead of breaking it down bit by bit like I typically do, because I, there's there's a reason for it. And you'll see, I think, once we get to the contemporary significance portion of today's lesson. And so with that being said, if you, if you have your Bibles or you're following along, we're going to read Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. So starting in verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out of its seven pillars... She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids, and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, Come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise... Your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. The woman folly is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious, but little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. That's Proverbs chapter 9. So, again, we didn't read Proverbs chapter 8, but coming off the heels of wisdom's majestic speech in Proverbs chapter 8, the conclusion of the instructions in chapter 9, sum up everything that has been said before uh, 
in Proverbs chapter 1 through 9 with a final appeal to study wisdom. Here, right there, it's it wisdom is depicted as an able and generous host, right? Um, and wisdom names her nemesis, right? Folly, which is interesting. And so what's interesting here is that chapter 9 contrasts the ways of wisdom and waywardness. Uh, because in chapter 7 and 8, we see in chapter 7, we see, you know, the warning of the adulteress, the warning of folly, right? The warning of not being wise. And then chapter 8, we see the reward for being wise. And so these two speeches in chapter 9 contrast the ways of wisdom and waywardness. As readers, right, study the con- the, the contest of words and ideas in this chapter, Right, we they can also imagine the parents getting ready to send their son out into the world to make his way in the world. Once again, urging the son to remember all that they have taught him. It remains to be seen whether or not the son's going to remember the parents' instruction. These descriptions and quotations of wisdom and folly here in chapter nine are a study in similarities and contrasts, which is interesting. Both wisdom and folly call out from a house right, situated in the highest place. Both begin with the same invitation. Let all who are simple come in here, adding an invitation to a meal. Both wisdom and folly use proverbs, right? Wisdom speech concludes with a series of proverbs ending with, if you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Folly has only one proverb, but it is revealing. Stolen water is sweet, Food eaten in secret is delicious. However, the teacher shows these similarities only to point out one glaring difference. Wisdom works at building and preparing in order to have a sumptuous banquet to offer her guests, while Folly sits at her door loud, undisciplined, and without knowledge. The meals are different. Wisdom is offering wine and, you know, it seems like wine and meat, right? While folly is offering only bread and water. There are differences in the outcome. Wisdom offers a future, a call to maturity, and in a word, life. Folly only offers the immediate pleasure of good things enjoyed outside their intended boundaries. Hiding the fact that such pleasures bring death. And so again, reading Proverbs chapter 1 through 9, this, this final chapter makes a lot more sense, which is why I'm more just covering the major summary of it. And basically, Solomon here is contrasting wisdom will build you up to life, and folly is only going to lead you to death and destruction. While folly may have good things, it's outside of the intended boundaries. I think another thing that's interesting here is that the structure of this chapter reveals that this debate by wisdom and folly is not only about choosing one host or teacher over the other, but it's also about what kind of person the listeners are going to become. What kind of person are we going to become? That's what this chapter is about, this discussion, this debate between wisdom and folly. Because, as Jesus said, you can only serve one master— Right, You can't serve two masters because you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll despise one and serve the other, right? 
And so chapter Proverbs chapter 9 basically teaches us is which way, which master are we going to follow? Are we going to follow wisdom, which comes from the knowledge of God? Are we going to follow God and his wisdom? Or are we going to follow the way of folly, which leads to death, which is basically the way of folly is basically us saying we know better than God. And that's not okay. So basically, this chapter is also talking about, you know, it's not only telling us to choose the right teacher and to follow the right thing, but it's also telling us that what kind of person we're going to become by who we follow. Because decision demonstrates character, right? So, excuse me. Decision demonstrates character, so that one becomes either a mocker or a wise person. That's what this passage is telling us. You know, our our decisions and our actions demonstrate our character, so we're either going to become a mocker, in some translations it's a scoffer, we're either going to become someone like that, or we're going to become wise. And so that's kind of like the main idea of this passage, is that, you know, the way of, we either need to choose, wait, we have two options, the way of wisdom or the way of folly. And the way of wisdom, its source comes from God. And the way of folly is founded in this world. It's founded in pleasures and desires, which will only lead to temporary satisfaction and will lead to permanent death. And so here's where I want to talk about the contemporary significance, right? The contemporary significance of this passage is important to me. And I, I am actually just going to, instead of just talking to you about my interpretation of the contemporary significance... I'm going to read you guys a, it's a pretty long portion, but I want to read you something straight from uh, a commentary I have. It's the NIV uh, application commentary on the book of Proverbs. And the, the author of this, I think, just has a wonderful little thought on contemporary significance. And so I'm going to start reading that for you. So, uh, again, this is this is not my original knowledge. This is from the NIV application commentary on the book of Proverbs. And so the author starts, learning discernment. No TV until you've done your homework. We often pit education and entertainment against each other, just as this chapter in Proverbs chapter 9 pits wisdom against folly. We say that the first is good and brings long-lasting rewards, while the second makes false promises of pleasure without cost or consequences. And don't we believe that the same is true of study versus entertainment? What lies underneath our fears is the suspicion that media in its use as entertainment is a more effective teacher. When I was, the author says, when I was a boy, John Lennon said the Beatles were probably more popular than Jesus. And churches gathered to smash and burn their records. Underneath this reaction, I think, was the fear and recognition that he was right. For many, the Beatles were more popular and influential. I also remember a segment on the Mickey Mouse Club when the club master took his guitar and sang a song about the wisdom of Proverbs, then recited a lesson for the day. Who then would have believed that in years to come, churches would boycott Disney Studios? Arguing that journalists and media reporters have become more powerful than ministers, novelists, professors, and politicians. Harvard researcher Peter H. Gibbon has argued that our 
Weird world is a world without heroes, with no one left to admire. Speaking of our concerns for children, he writes, As parents, we need to realize that there are dangers that come with too many choices and too few guides. We need to remind ourselves that their well-being depends not only on nutrition, sunlight, and exercise, on friendship, work, and love, but also on how they see the world. Subtly and powerfully, the media helps shape their worldview. And so back to the author of this commentary now, he says, Many parents I know are concerned about the effects of media on their child's beliefs, attitudes, and choices. Knowing the fear of the Lord helps us with our fears and bad influences, about bad influences. In other words, it is better to fear the Lord than to have too great a fear of negative influences. Let's be clear. There are choices to be made in life, and we want our children to make them well. Those choices lead us toward life or toward death, for ourselves and for others. The wrong decisions bring death to the spirit, the soul, and in some cases even death to the body. That is why we're so concerned. But I notice that this chapter in Proverbs chapter 9 puts the stress on the power of persuasion and decision, not the power of the influences. Wisdom recognizes that positive and negative influences are out there. But instead of attempting to shut out negative messages, wisdom tries to help the reader learn to discern and decide. Listen to the offer of wisdom as she says, Come to this feast, taste of my teaching, my correction, my wisdom, and you will be prepared. You'll be able to make good decisions. You'll have maturity and insight. And as a result, you'll enjoy long life. Wisdom recognizes that good and bad influences are out there, but she also knows that the real power is not in the influences, but in the power to discern and choose the right thing. Therefore, the commentator says that he agrees with Romanowski in Pop Culture Wars that discussion and criticism form a better strategy than either regulation or boycott control. The book asks believers to recognize that in, in the book Pop Culture Wars, uh, the book asks believers to recognize that pop culture is both a business and a form of art. Romanowski um, also describes the, inven- the, evangelic- the evangelical Christian culture as a combination of Victorian piety and American myth and the American myth of rugged individualism. In particular, We buy into a narrative in which good always triumphs and good and evil are clearly defined. Yet we know that life does not present itself that way. So we may ask ourselves why we so often reject the options of critical listening and the practice of discernment in favor of such unrealistic guides for life. Ironically, we hold on to a view of Christian life shaped to a large degree by popular entertainment, even while we worry over its negative influences. Is a film or story really better just because it only presents immorality when it can be punished and made an example? Wisdom acknowledges that evil sometimes wins, which in fact makes her rhetoric all the more urgent. Because so much is at stake. She asks those who call to her to listen so that they can also learn to listen carefully to the voices around them and make appropriate choices. Knowledge and fear of God 
Those decisions are based on an ever-deepening knowledge of God. On the fear of the Lord, knowing God becomes a basis for knowing how to live, how to choose. To say this is not to claim that there is never a time for advice, because the rest of Proverbs is full of, you know, these little sayings and wisdom that we can use to help li- to help live and get along with others. But we might say that wisdom is not concerned with many day-to-day choices we make, at least at the start, because to wisdom, it is more important to get the big decision right. So, there is a way of living that begins with the knowledge of God, knowing what pleases Him and what grieves and angers Him. This knowledge begins to shape behavior as it is guided by commandments, which is the Bible, and wisdom, which comes from reading Scripture and comes from just knowledge of God. However, the reverse is also true. The study of the commandments and wisdom writings is not only meant to teach us how to live, but also to bring us into the presence of God. Here is the fear of God. Knowing the God who so badly wants to be known by us. Every appealing aspect of wisdom's person and benefit is designed to help us understand God's desire to be known in all of his fearful majesty and in all of his life-giving love. To say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom is to say that God wants to be known. He wants us to know what it's like to be like Moses, both afraid to look at God and boldly saying, show me your glory. Hearing all the time that God is gracious and merciful. God wants us to stand with Job, wondering if God is a monster, and then hearing that God is even bigger and mightier than, and kinder than we knew. And I contend that this is the correction we need most because it is the easiest thing to let slide. If we let this chapter teach us, it will convince us that moral examples and proverbial advice alone will not bring us into the presence of God. In fact, sometimes morality has the opposite effect of including pride. Fear of the Lord, by contrast, is the first step toward humble knowledge of God. It will also assure us that the seductive images need not to... um, need not lead uh, inevitably down folly's path to death. Instead, we can set our confidence in the, compa- in the capacity for decision that lies within those who walk by the banquets of wisdom and folly. This teaching knows that temptations are out there and that they are seductive, but it also believes in the power of holy persuasion and therefore sets out wisdom's feast, the fear of the Lord, that is, the many-dimensioned Knowledge of the Holy One. And so, as Christians, we need to remember that knowledge and fear of God and then the presence of God come with us reading scriptures, right? So that's, that's I'm, I'm finished reading from the commentary. I just, I liked what he had, the author had to say about the contemporary significance. And I think, Basically what he's saying, you know, I'll put it into, that, that's, that is from a biblical scholar commentary. So, you know, putting it into everyday terms, what the commentator is saying, you know, I think as parents, again, because Proverbs chapter 1 through 9 is a father addressing a son. So as parents, when we're trying to teach our kids about the ways of the world, notice what, I mentioned it in Proverbs chapter 2, notice how wisdom in chapter 9 doesn't teach the son to 
you know, just, just, okay, this is wrong. You have, you should have nothing to do with this. You need to stay away from it or there'll be consequences. Like if anything, wisdom in Proverbs chapter nine uses persuasion and evidence to talk about while it, why it's a better choice, right? It tells the, it asks the son to think logically and reasonably about this. And so today as parents, I think what this teaches us is that, you know, we, we can say in the face of this pop culture that we maybe sometimes we get so afraid of, we can say, you're not so tough. We're not afraid of you. What can you do to our kids? Because we fear the Lord and we're going to raise them up and teach them the right way to do things. And we're going to trust God and the wisdom of God to teach them the discernment skills and the decision-making skills that will help them choose the right thing, right? Because the thing is, is how can you expect your children to want to come to the banquet of wisdom if we never attend that banquet ourselves, right? Jesus' parable about refusals to attend the great banquet show how easily distracted we can become, right? In Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 24. And so, as Christians today, when we read Proverbs chapter 1 through 9, I think we see a great model of parenting, uh, of, of maybe how we should learn to parent in terms of, you know, instead of just boycotting everything bad and everything evil, and, and I'm not saying go expose your kids to terrible things, that's not, that's not the point of this, but instead of just having this unrealistic view of the world and having this unrealistic idea that you're going to be able to shield your kids from everything bad, maybe just prepare them more and teach them the right way to do things so that when they're presented with the way of folly, when they, ha- when they come to that intersection and they can either go down the road of folly or the road of wisdom, teach them why they need to say yes to wisdom instead of focusing on why they need to say no to folly. Because if you just focus on no, 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 they don't know how to make the decision, and then whenever they're faced in the moment of pressure, they're just going to break and fall. And so there's wisdom, <laughs> obviously, there's wisdom in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 1 through 9, in what Solomon is saying, and what, and this, this speech from wisdom and the speech from folly is clear enough, right? We see that folly is temporary satisfaction, while as wisdom, it will lead to a life of happiness and a life of success. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect because wisdom acknowledges that and Solomon acknowledges that in Proverbs chapter 1 through in Proverbs chapters 1 through 9. But the point is is that one path comes from the knowledge of God and the other path does not and it comes from the knowledge of this world and sin and destruction and pleasure and it leads to death. And the knowledge of wisdom and the path of wisdom leads to and the path of wisdom leads to life. And so, when we read these first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs, this is especially beneficial for parents, you know, and I would encourage you to take this to your churches at home or, you know, wherever you guys are from that are listening, you know, take this to your churches, take this to your home, most importantly, and talk about these things. And if you're a parent raising kids, maybe think about employing some of these things, you know, don't don't necessarily go throw your kid out into uh, the streets of sin and darkness and just expect them to make the right choices. No, teach them why it's important to make the right ones. Teach them why they should choose the good things because it leads to life and it's knowledge of God and you'll be in relationship with God. 
That's why we need to teach kids to make the right choices. That's why we need and 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 I you know this may be specifically talking about a parent talking to a child, but I think this applies to any aged Christian, any aged person, right? Instead of us just you know, oh, I don't want to do the bad thing, you know, instead of just thinking about not wanting to do the bad thing because it's wrong, think about why we need to do the right thing, right? Why are you a Christian? Are you a Christian because you don't want to go to hell or are you a Christian because you love God? And because you're deeply in love with him and you love his word. Like, obviously, yes, you don't want to go to hell. I get that. I don't want to go to hell. But why are we people of faith? I think similarly, wisdom's asking the son, why do you want to do the right thing? Because you love God and you love wisdom and you love knowledge, which means you love God. That's why you want to do the right thing, because of the fear of the Lord and the presence of God. We don't do the right thing because we're afraid to die. We do it because we love God. And so that's, it's kind of like, you know, parenting, especially Christian parenting, Christian education, sometimes I think we focus on teaching negatively instead of teaching positively and teaching why we should do the right thing. And so Proverbs chapter 1 through 9, Proverbs chapters 1 through 9 are an amazing work by Solomon talking about, you know, how it's a great model for parents, but also just as Christians, it's a good thing to read to understand why you should choose wisdom, why we should choose the way of God, which leads to life. And so, as we're concluding this episode of Thursday Thoughts, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Um, if you have any comments, questions, or anything, feel free to. Reach out to me in any way. God bless, guys.